0: If you have your Bible, you could go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, and we will be focusing on verse 46 of Matthew 27. Boy, what a thrill it is to sing these songs, isn't it, about Christ's dying sacrifice for us? Amazing things to think about. This idea that we just sang, abhorring all my sin, adoring only Him. The only way that we could see our sin for what it is is if we see what it did to Jesus. Like, that's how bad our sin is. So bad, Jesus had to die for it. But at the same time, and here is the beauty of the gospel, at the same time, we see how loved we are. I mean, isn't that absolutely amazing that in, in the same act, Jesus Christ dies on the cross showing God's wrath against sin and yet his love for sinners? And that's the gospel. That's the good news that Jesus died for us. And that's what we are focusing on, the death of our Lord Jesus Christ for our sins. I take you to Matthew chapter 27 because both Matthew, in his account of the life and death and resurrection of Christ, and Mark, one of the other gospel writers, present these as Jesus' last words. Now, we know from Luke and John that there were other things that Jesus said before He breathed His last but Matthew and Mark present these words as the last so that they will ring in our minds and echo into our souls. And we can't really get rid of it. It's like a, a tune that keeps playing over and over again until it finally gets resolved. The, this, this word, this cry of dereliction, of having been forsaken, when Jesus cries around the ninth hour, Eli, Eli, Leme, Sabachthani, which is, My God. My God, why have you forsaken me? I was looking at some famous last words, and I came across uh, a couple people in their last words that just jumped out at me. Two in particular, Chris Farley, an actor, died at age 33. His last words were, Please don't leave me. John Belushi, actor, died at age 33. 33. Here's his last words. Just don't leave me alone. Jesus, age 33. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It made me think what a horrible thing it is to die alone, abandoned by one's closest friends. But in the case of Christ, this abandonment that he felt was more than just the abandonment of close friends. As horrible as that would be, as, as utterly devastating for it to be to be, have to die completely by oneself, it wasn't just a cry of being forsaken by human friends. Jesus was speaking to his heavenly father and he was crying a cry that, that echoes into the silence of Golgotha, why? Why have you forsaken me? And the reason why this is so horrible is because all throughout the life of Jesus, he has demonstrated such a close relationship with God as his Heavenly Father. I mean, he said, I always do the things that please him. At the very beginning of the ministry of Christ, after Jesus was baptized, he comes up out of the water, there comes the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, and there comes a voice from heaven saying, this is my what? Beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Every time in the Gospels, Jesus addressed God as his Father, except this one time. And this evening, I want to ask you the question, why did Christ cry this? Why did he ask, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, what does this even mean? For, for the Son of God, Jesus, to cry from the cross, this, this cry of dereliction, this cry of forsakenness. And I want to do this in three ways. I want us to look at the occasion of this question, some options about this question, and then the offer that this question applies, the occasion of this question. It's helpful to see the background here. If you skip back a few verses in Matthew 27, you see the chief priests, and this is verse 41, Matthew 27, 41, the chief priests with the scribes and elders, the most religious guys around. I mean, these are the the Bible thumpers. These are the Bible scholars. They are the chief priests, scribes, and elders. They mocked him, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. He let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God what are they doing they're saying okay you spent your life claiming to have a special relationship with God now let's see if God is going to do anything about your situation now if it is true that you are the son of God and God will not abandon his son if it is true that you are a righteous man and God will not abandon a righteous man then let's see God do something about this that's the occasion of this cry they're putting out a test And one would suppose that if Jesus were really who he claimed to be, that God would not forsake him. And and really, if you think about it, and you think about the Old Testament background of what's going on here, there's a very strong Jewish tradition of God not abandoning a righteous person. This is a very strong tradition, even throughout the Psalms. I want to read a psalm for you. Just listen, don't turn there. This is from Psalm 37. It says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. A little later on, the psalmist says, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. And further on in the same psalm, the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. Not forsake his saints. The righteous man will not be forsaken. And so it seems that for Jesus to cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It, it leaves us with a couple perplexing options and let me give them to you and I'm, I'm changing i'm transitioning from the occasion of this cry to the options about this cry the options about this question it seems like either god really has forsaken a righteous man something he said he would never do or jesus wasn't really righteous and he wasn't really who he claimed to be you, you see the the problem there it seems like god has gone back on his word and forsaken someone who's truly righteous. Or Jesus wasn't truly righteous and God has forsaken him. And so this cry of dereliction that Jesus gives from the cross leaves us thinking, what is going on here? Why would Jesus cry this? Why would he not tell the Pharisees and the scribes and the people that are hurling these, these mockeries at him? Why would he not say, hey, I'm really righteous. God has forsaken me for a different reason. But it is seemingly that he admits that he's being forsaken by God. But there is actually a third option. It is not that God is going back on his word and forsaking a righteous man and and being unfaithful to himself. It is neither that Jesus is not a righteous person or that his claims about the Son of God or being the Son of God are undercut. Here is the third option, and we see hints of this throughout the Jewish sacrificial system that required a lamb, an innocent lamb, to be killed for the sins of sinful people. This is from Leviticus chapter 1, verse 4. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering that it may be accepted for him to make an atonement on his behalf. We see throughout the Old Testament that God would not forsake a righteous person unless that righteous person were bearing the sins of unrighteous people. You see what's going on there? It's not that God is going back on his word. And it's not that Jesus is a liar about who he is. There's, there's a unique case in which a spotless lamb, the lamb of God, is taking upon himself the sins of the world. And that is why, that is why Jesus cries from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because that's exactly what's happening with Jesus. That's exactly what we read about from Isaiah so glad that Pastor Kyle had chosen these passages of Scripture punctuated by the, by the singing. Let me read this for you. If you just get the full impact of what's going on here. In light of Jesus' cry of forsakenness, his cry of dereliction. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And friends, that is exactly what the Bible tells us Jesus was doing. The Apostle Peter says in his first epistle, in verse 24 of chapter 2, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. When Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Neither he nor God was wondering what was happening. Because this is what the Apostle Paul explained several years later in his second epistle to the Corinthians when he said, For Jesus was made to be sin, who knew no sin. Righteous, innocent. Jesus was made to be sin. He knew no sin. So that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's what's going on. God made Jesus to bear our sins. He never never sinned so that we might become righteous, so that we might be considered righteous just like Jesus is righteous. This is what is expressed so well in the song, His robes for mine, such anguish none can know. Christ, God's beloved, condemned as though his foe. He, as though I, accursed and left alone. I, as though he embraced and welcomed home, like Jesus was forsaken so that I can be embraced. He was flogged so I could be healed. He was abandoned so I can be accepted. And that's why he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was for you. It was for me. And here's where the offer comes in. We looked at the occasion of this cry, the options for this cry. And now what offer this this cry implies this is where it becomes absolutely personal let me ask you this you may have you may know the answer to this in your own heart but think about it do you believe that what jesus did is for you do you believe that what jesus did is, is for you i'm not asking you do you believe that jesus died on the cross that that's a historical fact I'm not even asking you, do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? That's a historical fact. I'm asking, do you believe that it was for you? Like, your sin. It's like the difference between believing that water can quench your thirst and actually drinking it. Because unless you believe that Jesus' sin is for you, unless you turn, like Jesus' death is for your sin, unless you turn away from your sin and, and believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells that you're condemned. It's absolutely essential to believe this now. God is offering you salvation in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, God says, Now is the day of salvation. Now. Let me give an urgent warning to anybody in this room who has just putting this, been putting this off, putting it off, putting it off. So I'll get to that sometime. You're not guaranteed another time. God says, Now is the day of salvation. And very soberingly, the alternative is eternal destruction in a place called hell. This is what the Bible says in Revelations chapter 20, verse 15. If anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And there is no guarantee that you'll have another chance. This is not an offer you can refuse. Many in this room are believers, and your heart resonates with this and says, yes, yes, this is for me it constantly humbles you and rejoices you at the same time. But some of you, some of you have just going to put this off. Don't put it off any longer. Jesus did this for you. His robes for mine. He as though I accursed and left alone. I as though he embraced and welcomed home. That's why Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?